Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live, obviously, from the Team Needham abode. And if you watch it once in a while, you'll get to see a cat run back and forth. Um, and this is a kind of a makeup edition. Um, I kind of double booked last week and couldn't have Sean on last week. Um, so he's going to be back on our podcast today because this is his second time on our podcast. And we are going to be discussing um, ADHD. So um, adult attention deficit disorder, um, hyperactive disorder. And it's something that um, um, has been traditionally in kids and I, I actually screwed that di- that that name up. It used to be ADHD, um, and or ADD, and then it went to ADHD. And it used to be just in kids, and now it's in adults too. And we're going to be talking about non pharmacological or non drug interventions with Sean Casey today. Super excited to to have him on the podcast again. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure talking with you and folks on proactive health, non prescription needs. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your history of treating ADHD with non-pharmacological interventions. So it's kind of fascinating. So my background is uh, I'm a registered dietitian. I'm a movement coach. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of hot, really high level athletes, you know, Olympians, Olympic gold medalists, um, professionals. And when I really started to dive into it really uh, in depth, it was probably about, you know, 12 to 15 years ago. And it came out of a need for the clients I was working with for their sporting performance. And anyone who's been on uh, Adderall or Vyvanse can relate to this is one of the effects of it, it, it really kills your appetite. So, Sean, I know you're a huge biker and you know how much calories you have to burn through. So I was having clients who were trying to get between five to 7,000 calories in during the day to fuel their training. They were on these medications and they would get 2,000 calories in the day and they're like, man, I am jammed. I have zero appetite. And so that's when I really started diving in and figuring out, like, what is going on? Like, these guys, if I go on a huge uh, endurance run or bike or whatever, my appetite is really through the roof. And so that's when I started going into realizing how these uh, medications, which are kind of basically just amphetamines, are absolutely right. smashing the appetite. So that's when I started working with them. How do we get people off uh, ADHD medication so they can actually train and perform at their, you know, caliber there? And it's really interesting because now that I've been able to work with a lot of people to get them off medications, their spouses will come up to me and they're like, that was the best thing you ever did. Because they're like, you know, our husband or our wife, they'd be really great. They get on the end of their dose and all of a sudden their mood, they'd do this, they become irritable things. And they're like, I feel like you've given, you know, Joe or Susie back to me, their personality. So that's when I really started getting into it when I really got excited. It was, again, kind of like you do as a, a, a functional pharmacist. You're just trying to solve solutions to, or provide solutions to issues that, you know, people that we're working with are experiencing. Yeah. And, and you know, the diagnosis, it, it was when I was a kid, when I was in pharmacy school first, it was ADD. Um, and it was attention deficit disorder. And then they changed it to attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Um, and when I was in farm school 30 years ago, it was basically Ritalin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one, mm-hmm. um, but it's the same thing as Adderall, methylphenidate. Um, it's still an amphetamine-based um, you know, molecule. So it does the same thing. And so the thought is, is that there's a a um 
even though they're like amphetamines, which usually rev people up, they have the opposite effect in people with ADHD, supposedly. Now, here's my opinion as a pharmacist, and I've, I've thought this for 30 years, um, and it used to be just kids, and then it went into adults with ADHD. Um, I think it's a complete BS diagnosis, personally. I think there's way too many people on it. Um, you know, when we look at the history of ADHD um, in children, um, you know, it was usually in younger boys that had ADHD. Well, you know, you lock a boy up in a room in a, in a public school for seven hours a day and don't give him a, a bunch of exercise and recess and physical, physical um, um, exertion, you bet he's going to have ADHD. I would too. Um, so I think it's actually a diagnosis that's really totally overblown and totally kind of made up so big pharma can just have another drug to sell. What are your comments on that? No, I, I think so much of the medications right now, um, and this even in general, I feel like there's so many medications that are basically just trying to cover what's basic nutritional deficiencies, basic movement deficiencies um, going on. I mean, and they've even done research in this with, you know, um, adolescents who are on, you know, who have been diagnosed with ADHD is having groups going outside, running around, things of that nature, and then coming back and almost all the time, their symptoms greatly decrease. And going back to your saying when your youth running around was when I was going to school, um, you know, this is 20 plus years ago, 30 years ago. Now they think about it. Um, we got outside. No, way too years. young to be in school that long ago. <laughs> I know. Um, was, uh, what we were able to do was um, we had recess three times a day, especially when I was lower than sixth grade, yeah. morning, afternoon and lunch. So I was talking with my nephew a few weeks ago and we were just kind of joking around. I'm like, man, are, are you killing it outside with basketball at recess now? And because we're finally getting Wisconsin, we're finally getting the warm weather. And we were just kind of talking. I'm like, well, how much recess do you actually have? And he's like, well, if I eat fast enough at lunch, I can at least have 15 minutes afterwards. I'm like, whoa, 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 like double negative. I'm like, one, if you're eating fast enough at lunch and B, you only get 15 minutes. Um, right. I'm like, I think there's a really strong correlation or like gym classes we were talking about earlier is you don't have physical education nearly as much. And I think that all plays a huge role why we're seeing so many attention issues, you know, in the diagnosis and everything, you know, in the literature is we're just not giving the basic tools for people so they can have that high attention, the brain chemistry, everything working together. Absolutely. And, you know, I know when there was some stigma attached to ADHD diagnosis um, with, with children. So the one that took over actually after that, was um, well, we don't want to give them we don't want to give them ADHD diagnosis because there's a stigma with that. So you know what we're going to call it we're going to call it bipolar. So then all of a sudden these kids had bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. and um, they would put them on SSRIs and basically just and it's like is that what we want? Is that what we do we want children just just checked out? Is that what we want? No, we we want children with energy, and if they have too much energy. Go exercise. Uh-huh. Right? A a absolutely. I, I find um, I love movement. Um, I even think about just when you can't focus. And I mean, even now in, in daily life, uh, if I'm having trouble like thinking or I find that my mind is starting to dart, the first thing I usually do is just go out for a walk or something where I'm moving again. Um, and that's even for like, you know, people who maybe if you're not even diagnosed with ADHD, 
just when you're having those things where you can't focus is doing those, getting those breaks in the day. I don't think the body was designed to, I could be wrong. I don't know your opinion, but I don't think the body was designed to sit at a desk, stare at a computer for eight hours straight. No, no. I mean, you, you, you know, you look at, you know, generations and generations and generations ago, if we were hunters and gatherers or even, you know, in an agriculture society, I mean, we were, we were outside doing some kind of activity most of the day. Um, and you know, so to be locked up in a room, um, in front of a computer all day is not, you know, what is in our biological genes. So tell us some interventions that you like, you mentioned movement. So how could you, how could you, how could we, um, put that into our daily routine? Yep. Um, I think an easy thing to do from the movement side is simply every three hours, just even if you have to set an alarm on your watch, whatever it is, to have it go off. Even if you're feeling totally fine, I always think about like preloading. That way you don't have to dip, uh, dip into the reserves that often. Right. Is uh, just moving. 15 minutes for every three hours that you're sitting down, that's kind of my thing. Um, I find that helps a lot of people. Uh, for either one, those who are diagnosed as ADHD, those who don't, almost everyone comes back and like, wow, that really helped me focus later in the day. Um, another basic one is, uh, just get enough hydration. Um, <laughs> this may sound really weird, but one of the things that I always do is making sure that you're getting enough water, enough electrolytes during the day. Cause I find a lot of people like, yeah, my symptoms were good in the morning, but man, in the afternoon I started doing, you know, fishtailing all over the place. And I'm like, when I hear that, I'm like, well, how much fluid do you drink? And they're like, ah, not much. I'm like, well, we know that it's very easy to dehydrate, especially as it's getting warmer out. If you're having trouble um, focusing, that could be as simple as being dehydrated. I find when I, when I start adding that into a lot of people, they found that their memory was better. They had less headaches. They were able to focus better significantly during the day where they found that was good um, as well. And then, although it's always boring because people will come to me looking for like supplements because, again, sports nutrition, I think like the flash, the bangs, the whatever. And I always go back to, are you getting your baseline nutrients in? Um, you know, if we're trying to put medications on top of a faulty system to start with, it, it's just a bandaid. So, and this is even interesting. If you look at studies that what they've shown are people with ADHD versus control groups, almost always they're deficient in magnesium, zinc, copper, selenium, and iron. So that, that's basically, basically minerals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's where I put a lot of focus is making sure that a, we're getting the, the baseline nutrients that are in. Um, you know, the, I think that is key. Uh, the other thing that I always think about too, which is fascinating is fish oil. So we know how big of an impact that omega threes have on the brain. What they're showing is people just taking, uh, either a, they're eating more fish, be it salmon or whatever, or if you're not having anchovy pizza five nights a week, you know, taking a fish oil supplement, um, yeah. significant improvements in score. Uh, one of, um, clients I was working with, I was, uh, talking with her earlier, um, today and we, we uh, her son started you know taking omega threes and she's like Sean it was crazy he did his I'm drawing a mind blank on the exact test but it's basically one of the standardized tests that they do for this last fall and then they did it again this spring and they're like everyone was shocked at his improvement relative to what the norms were expected and she's like the only thing that we implemented was we started getting fish oil you know omega threes into his system on a regular basis. And so that's what I was thinking. His, about. Co his cognition was better. Uh, his cognitions, his uh, rates of like impulsivity, 
Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Attention, like across the board, hit the test that they were doing kind of to standardize the ADHD or in terms of the diagnosis, they found that all significantly improved. Now we really, with omega threes, we really shouldn't be that surprised because you know mm-hmm. our brain is concentrated with omega threes. So why should we be surprised that omega threes help our brain function? Right. Yeah. It's, it's so neat. And, you know, the other things that are always fascinating too with, and I do this with a lot of clients, I do a pile of breath work. Um, I find breathing exercises, um, you know, especially, you know, if you're trying to calm yourself down more, kind of the slow inhales, exhales. Um, but you can also do more of, it was kind of popularized as the Wim Hof method, but where it's more that, that fast, aggressive, you know, where you're trying to help with alertness. So, you know, uh, I always think about if you don't have alertness, if you don't have motivation, it's going to be hard to find direction to you really zero in on things. So I find, uh, you know, doing deep breathing. I know there's been different studies that have kind of verified this as well as, you know, breath work can support attention um, in different populations. Anecdotally, with a lot of clients I work with who have had issues with uh, ADHD, um, it, it's kind of a really nice natural stimulant to kind of get that build up that, uh, the endorphins in your body, building up those, you know, um, neurotransmitters that support focus. Yeah, absolutely. I I wanted to uh, show one of the comments we got from one of our, uh, uh, viewers and I actually, Ryan Oldman, thanks for the comment. I actually, I think Ryan, I actually commented on this, um, mentioned this before I saw your comment. So, cause it looks like your comment came in like four minutes after we started. So, and Ryan Oldman is actually a teacher too, Sean. So very cool. Um, and he's convinced that ADHD isn't even a disorder anymore. It's simply a holdover from the times of hunter gatherers. When over seven to ten percent of the population has it, it just is a fluke. It is called the hunter versus fa- farmer hypothesis. Most uh, or all humans were nomadic hunters gatherers for hundreds of thousands of years, but this standard gradually changed as agriculture development in most societies and more people worldwide became farmers. Over many years, most humans adopted a farming cultures. Now, I kind of said that farming was, I didn't, I talked about farming too, um, but I don't think it's that, I, I thank you for your comment, Ryan. And I agree with that, that when we get into an agriculture society, more of a, a bigger farm-based agriculture society, it was different than hunter-gatherers, and we maybe weren't moving as much, but we were definitely moving a lot more when we were farmers than we were sitting in a classroom or, um, you know, being sedentary, watching video games or, or watching TV. So I, I agree with your comment, Ryan, and, and thank you for that. Um, again, movement's the important part um, and not being sedentary. And um Keep going on your. We talked about breath work, talked about minerals. One thing I wanted to comment on too, the hydration thing. I'm glad you mentioned um, electrolytes. As you know, Sean, um, you know for decades we've been telling people to drink water, drink water, drink water. So there's so many people that have a water bottle always at work, mm-hmm. you know, or or wherever they're at, and they're always drinking water. But in reality, they're diluting their electrolytes. Yeah. So if they don't have electrolytes in their water, their sodium is going to be low, their potassium is going to be low, and, and maybe not super low or below normal in a lab, but it's going to be suboptimal. 
So electrolytes are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen and I talked about this, I think, last week when it when we talked about preparing for summer. I'm a big believer in element electrolytes, LMNT. Those are great ones. Yep. And but I'm not I'm not super picky as long as you do something. Um, noon is also good. They're easy to travel with. Um, noon tablets. There's some other ones. Do you have any other comments about electrolytes? Uh, those are usually those the ones that I uh, focus on. Um, I like Elementia. They're a great brand. They know they do some really great testing. And the thing that I like about them, and I should mention, I don't have any affiliation with them. So like, oh, he's, he's totally <laughs> a shell for Element T. No, I don't, I don't have any right. I have interviewed Rob Wolf, but I don't <laughs> have any affiliation. Uh, but, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, the elements are basically your electricity. You know, that's what's, you know, helping with, you know, a lot of those impulses. I'm like, if you pull the plug on that, it's going to be trouble. And so it's interesting because now that we're getting into the summer months, I'll have people come up like, man, I just feel like brain fog. I feel really off. And I'm like, well, it's because of your diet. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you eat to eat clean of a diet since you're not eating all the processed junk food. I'm like, you don't have much natural sodium in your diet. So when you are sweating a lot of it out, it's easy to drop it down. So I find adding electrolytes um, into you know, uh, people's diets really helps them feel a lot better with things um, across the board. So I, I, I echo that thought and I'm glad you're on the same page. Yeah. Well, what are some other foods that we can um, talk to people about that's good for brain health? Um, brain health. Um, so again, we mentioned the uh, the fish, you know, in terms of the omega-3s. Um, the other one, again, that's went down our diets is dark leafy greens. So you think about um, dark leafy greens are a good source of magnesium. Um, similar to pumpkin seeds. Magnesium is responsible for over 600 different reactions in your body, including, you know, a synthesis of neurotransmitters. Um, same thing with, I mean, energy production. If you look at the classic uh, Krebs cycle for energy production is if you don't have magnesium, that ATP becomes extremely challenging to produce. Um, so I focus on there. Um, I think- well, both- Let's not forget that magnesium is a calming- um, is a calming mineral. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it relaxes blood vessels. It relaxes our brain. So, I mean, perfect for things like ADHD or to help us for sleep or insomnia, things like that. Uh-huh. Just help calm us down. You know, it's funny you mention that. So when I'm educating, I always tell people that magnesium is the therapist of your body because it relaxes your mind. It relaxes your muscles. It relaxes your blood vessels. Like it just, you know, it deflates. Yeah. Um, so like there, I think in another one too is, uh, is we're looking at important, important ingredients for health and wellness is choline. So we know that good sources of choline are like eggs. Um, you know, I think society is finally getting better for a while. I know eggs, especially egg yolks were demonized. Right. And I mean, eggs. That's were, a whole nother podcast. I don't think that is. <laughs> we'll have <it> next time. <laughs> but you know, eggs are an amazing source of choline. Um, and eggs are just, let's, let's, let's face it, Sean. Eggs are just a great food, period. Yeah. I mean, they are, you know, I mean, not super high in protein. There's not a lot of protein in one egg, but, um, you know, they're a great source of protein. They're a great source of cholesterol. We can't live without cholesterol. It's, 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 you know, we would die without cholesterol. And when you think about the egg yolk and we talk about how bad they are, if it is so bad, how be, how come a baby chicken sustains on that egg yolk for a week or better. Why? Because it's concentrated in calories and nutrients. That's a good thing. Uh-huh. It's, it's, can hear something also that's super cool about eggs. So everyone talks about antioxidants, right? 
There was a study that came out, I think it was 2014 in the Journal of Food Science, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. But basically what they showed was that one egg, if you had it sunny side up, had the antioxidant level of two apples. Wow. So if they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away, an egg a day, sunny side up, keeps the doctor away while having like a massage in the evening. Like it's, <laughs> it's such an awesome food, right? Well, another thing about eggs too is is anybody that is um, – you know, more calorie conscious, which most most Americans probably should be because they're not super super active. Um, but a- eggs are very satisfying. Yeah. I mean, the society the satiety in eggs is amazing. I mean, even after a long workout, if I'm eating eggs and sausage, I have a hard time to eat three eggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they are very. You you think you can eat a lot, but you just can't because they are so concentrated in nutrients um, that you feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a nice thing. You have four eggs. You're at, you know, 70 calories an egg on average for a large one. You're at less than 300 calories with, you know, 24 grams of protein with, you know. And you are full. Yeah. <laughs> with a lot yeah, of food. Right. Right. I mean, eggs, eggs are perfect. Yeah. About 70 calories per large egg. And yeah, it, four eggs is, uh-huh. is tough for me to eat if I'm eating other meat with it. Yeah. So, um, so talk about choline. Uh, eggs are high in choline. Uh, that's oh, great for brain health. Definitely. Brain Let's health. go on with that. Yep. Um, so yeah, so um, going for, forward with the choline. So choline is a precursor to acetylcholine, which is one of the neurotransmitters that goes, you know, between the nerves to help with impulses. And that's why even some of your supplements um, that I've had good success with for people who are looking to do a little bit more is either like alpha GPC, which is again is a concentrated choline or city choline um, are two things that have been shown to, you know, help with focus, attention, you know, brain function. Um, so those are really, you know, some of the big ones, again, your fruits, your vegetables, again, getting those baseline nutrients. So I would say from the food side, from the supplements, that is where I'm always going for is the minimally processed, you know, trying to not have a lot of the extra stuff into it, um, with there. Um, we mentioned like the diaphragm breathing, um, you know, there's actually some research too, looking at how does, uh, music or beats, you know, affect, you know, um, attention level. So binary beats I know has become uh, popular where it's kind of like the beats are slightly off, um, that have helped with, um, folks that have had different things again, anecdotal on there, that, which has been, um, really impactful. Uh, and then another thing that I find, and this is more of just to help keep things organized, I think one of the issues going on is there's so much going on right now in the world, right? Like people are tr- checking their phones a hundred million times. I'm guilty of that as well at times. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm get there, but they're trying to do there. They have so many work things going on. Like there's so much going on and it's hard to keep organized on things. I think sometimes, again, some people really have uh, str- trouble focusing on there. So I'm not saying that this is not an issue. But I find just organization. So one of the things I find has worked really well and helped people cut back in medications is simply like, okay, on your phone, have an app where you can actually, you know, dial in and put like, okay, at this time I have X, this time I have a Y. That way you feel more organized because sometimes when you feel inattentive is when you're not organized and you're just, you know, bouncing all over the place. Um, so I'll focus on those type of things. Well, is just that's more on like a behavioral type um, side again. How can we kind of get the, the um, looking at a 360 view, how can we improve the movement aspect of things? Here's the other one is sleep. If you line up the symptoms of sleep, uh, if you line up the symptoms of sleep and, and chart them down, uh, sleep deficiency, and then you line up the symptoms of ADHD, line them down, it is almost like 100% match. They almost completely overlie each other. So again, we know that sleep, if you're not sleeping well, 
you could have like the most focused person in the world. You put them on short sleep for a couple of days, they're going to be starting to get scatter mind. Um, so I think that is one that gets undervalued significantly when it comes to ADHD. Yeah. I mean, sleep, sleep trumps it all. Sleep yeah. trumps food, sleep trumps exercise. I mean, mm-hmm. um, if you're not sleeping, of course, you're going to have ADHD. I mean, seriously, you know, call it what you want, but if you're not sleeping, you're going to have some kind of brain disorder, yeah. you know, if you're not sleeping well. And, and, and let's just define what that is. And it, it, you know, usually experts agree that you need seven to nine hours a day of sleep. And I say a day, but that's really at night. Mm-hmm. We, our bodies are made to sleep at night not during the day and kudos to all you shift workers out there, um, policemen, firefighters, nurses, but our bodies are not made to sleep during the day. We're made to work during the day and sleep at night. And if you are having any kind of mental type issues like ADHD or depression or bipolar, um, name, name that, name that disorder. Um, sleep is, is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's the, the interesting thing is we, you're talking about really about the, like the blood levels, like suboptimal, like, okay, suboptimal clinical things of that nature. And we're always going for optimal, but I think it sometimes gets forgotten is like, okay, maybe this aspect is suboptimal on its own. Yeah. You might not know something, but I think what's happening in today's society is we're suboptimal on sleep. We're suboptimal on movement. We're suboptimal on stress management. We're suboptimal bubble, you know, down the line. It's like, well, if we add up a lot of suboptimals, that becomes <laughs> one huge deficiency. So, right. and that's when people are, I think what happens is everyone starts looking at things in silos. And that's why when I'm working with clients and I know you take a very holistic approach as well. And I think that is what we need to realize is, okay, if this is working and it's a silo, here's a silo, here's a silo. Well, man, if we get around the silos, we realize we just have a huge hole in the ground, you know, type deal. And that's what yeah. I want to focus on in each one of these areas. Um, with any clients I'm working with who have ADHD and that, um, again, am I going to say everything's going to cure everything? I can't, I know I can never promise anything, but we can make significant, uh, improvements just by ratcheting everything up 5% in its little silo. So no longer suboptimal across the board. That That's a really good point. I've never heard it put that way, but you're right. If you're suboptimal and just you know, a little bit of everything, then your, your body is not going to act optimal. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to blindside you with this one. Cause I know you're an expert and I know you'll, you'll, you'll know the answer. So, and I know it's not always super convenient, especially during the day. Um, but, um, what are your thoughts about ice baths? I'm a huge fan of ice baths. <laughs> and ADHD. I, I mean, I know you weren't ready for this or yeah. maybe you were, I don't know, <laughs> but, but ice baths and ADHD. I mean, tell us about Ice baths and brain function. Yeah. We think about ice baths is like that uh, kicks off kind of that, you know, the fight or flight response um, with the dopamines, with the neurotransmitters. And the one thing that, you know, with ADHD, I was talking about is the low levels of dopamine. And that's why um, with even like those amphetamines, why they're effective is, well, they get those kind of ratcheted back up. And so that, although it seems counterintuitive, why, you know, can kind of help some of those symptoms. Well, Ice baths are amazing for that. It's like literally that jet fuel for your veins when you get an ice cold bath. So I am a huge fan of being able to implement those type of strategies um, as much as possible. Here's an easy example. I'm sure everyone has had that day where the water heater breaks. And oh, they yeah. have to take an ice cold shower. I hate it. And I absolutely like, hate it, Sean. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And then you get out of it. And for like the next two hours, you just feel on point. You feel like you had two cups True. of coffee, right? 
that is literally what's happening uh, in the body and um, with everything. Here's another interesting thing on coffee and even tea. I'm kind of segueing a little bit back into nutrients to just pop my mind on that comment is they're actually finding that caffeine. So I think sometimes people look at caffeine as like this horrible thing. And um, I think it can definitely be abused. So I'll be the first one to say that you can definitely abuse ca- coffee so, or caffeine. So I don't want to undermine it. But if my alternative is, hey, either I have to get somebody on a meth or on an amphetamine type stimulant or have them have coffee, um, there's actually some neat research showing that if you have caffeine with theanine, theanine is an amino acid found in tea leaves that naturally has a relaxant benefit, they're finding that it's improving symptoms of ADHD without necessarily all the side effects of, you know, some of the other medication options. So, um, and I know like, uh, if you look at coffee, for instance, that's coming from bean, you're going to have a lot of antioxidants in it. So when it's not abused, I'm actually a fan of using that from time to time. Well, and caffeine, pharmacologically speaking, has a amphetamine-like structure. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be surprised that it could work like some of those amphetamines um, and used in moderate doses in a coffee or or a tea is not going to have the side effects as you would about a pharmacological dose of a methamphetamine um, mm-hmm. type or um, amphetamine type uh, drug like methylphenidate or like uh, Adderall, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, yeah, that's a great point. Um, okay. On the opposite side of ice baths, and I, I just have not been able to embrace them yet. I mean, like you talk about water heaters, it's like, you know, we worked really hard in this country to become a society where we have hot water anytime we want it. So it's hard <laughs> for me to just jump in an ice bath. Um, I get it. There's, and, and you know, I've, I've been following Wim Hof for a while now mm-hmm. for about two and a half years or so. I just, I'm just not there yet. I do understand the benefits, but uh, you know, I haven't embraced that yet. Now on the opposite um, spectrum, what about um, saunas? Um. I, I like saunas from a, the health benefit side of things. I can't say I've necessarily looked super in depth in terms of saunas with ADHD. Um, it looks at clinical studies there, but what I know is saunas, I want to say they trigger um, the release of BDNF, which is a uh, brain derived neurotrophic factor, um, which helps with, you know, processes with nerves, with brain function on there. But I'm also a big fan of saunas. Where I got really into saunas was, with one of the clients I work with, uh, lives in Denmark. And so I've spent, uh, you know, four, three plus years of my life in Denmark and there they do the contrast all the time where they're going from their saunas, literally walking out into the sea where it's like 50 degrees yeah. and back and forth. So I've become a huge fan of saunas. Um, even just from, uh, um, from an exercise standpoint or from a movement, not that I'm saying taking a sauna is going to have the s- same effect as going on a long bike ride or lifting weights or whatever, but where they're shown is a lot of the health benefits um, from exercise, not to the same level, but you can get some of those same benefits just yeah. from sauna work. Um, mood-wise, usually people feel much more chill when they're coming out of a, a sauna, you know, type setting. So, well, it's another it's person. another modality. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sauna, steam room. I didn't say I, I specifically said sauna, but I, I think steam rooms can do this do the same thing, mm-hmm. and they do. Um, you know, they do, they do make us sweat and there's some benefits from just sweating. And that's one of the benefits we get from exercise. But like you say, it's not, it's not the same thing, but it is another modality that we can use um, to work our way towards optimal health. And, and where it can be really effective too, is again, it's all about baby steps. If you have somebody who's, 
you know, it's not realistic for someone who hasn't been active for four or five years. So we're talking about how inactivity, you know, is one of the reasons, main reasons for ADHD. Well, we're also realistic. I, I don't expect somebody to go from, you know, um, sitting on the, you know, being more inactive on the couch or whatever it is to all of a sudden they're being an Iron Man. So yeah, I think, I, how can we help somebody along that pathway to get to that end goal? And saunas are fun. Or here's even another one uh, with a lot of athletes I work with. Let's say if they have some sort of injury. Um, where I find where I've had clients where all of a sudden they kind of go into that, like their mind is darting all over the places when they can't be physically active. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, I think we all have seen where people, even myself, if I get hurt and I can't be physically active, like I just even notice my own mood kind of like, you know, falls over where if you can provide that sauna and it's kind of that assurance, like, Hey, you're getting some of these same health benefits. I mean, which again, there's physiological studies to verify this, but even just on a one-on-one anecdotal basis, like, I feel like I'm doing something and I feel like I'm, I'm getting that sweat. So I kind of had those same sort of, you know, if I want to call it endorphins, whatever you want to call them, I had that same sort of a feel. So I find from an attention standpoint, from a mood standpoint, even though I can't, you know, lift weights, run, whatever it is, um, I still feel like I'm doing something. I'm accomplishing something that moves me, you know, further down that path of, you know, health and performance goals. Well, let's face it. Who cares? The study, studies say if it makes yeah. you feel better, great. Do it. Absolutely. You know? And yeah, I, I like the idea that you say baby steps too, because I think some people, they, they, they overthink exercise yeah. and, 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 and we just have to make it. I try to tell them all the time, Jan, I try to tell them all the time that, you know, it, it's simple. Start with something simple. And really in reality, and, and you might speak to this as a, as a, as a coach that, you know, somebody that's sedentary, it's really easy to make them get better because mm-hmm. all, you're starting from nothing. Yeah. So just do something. Walk five minutes a day. Um, do a little bit of – do some push-ups. Um, yeah. You know, just uh, some bodyweight stuff, bodyweight squats. I mean, just do 10 of them. Get up in the morning do 10 bodyweight squats, do 10 push-ups. Mm-hmm. Call it a day. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then just progress from there. It's, it's tougher when you've already got somebody that's, you know, having – health type of issues and they're working out 10 hours a week because they're some kind of endurance athlete or something. And, you know, that, you know, they might actually be working out too much possibly. It's, yeah. it's, it's harder to, it's easier to start from nothing than to get the last two, two to 5% of somebody that's, that's a, that's an athlete, you know? Mm-hmm. No, 100%. And, and that's the big thing. And I find this is, you know, I'm working with, you know, younger coaches who are coming up or things of that nature. It's kind of like, Okay, because they're like, oh, we got to move them a little bit out of their comfort zone, which I 100% agree with. But what I see all too often is if this is the comfort zone, like right here, here's our little circle. Instead of going just, okay, we need just to be a step outside the circle. All of a sudden they throw them outside their comfort zone, like five miles or five years down the path. And that's when somebody gets injured. They have that setback. And all of a sudden, you know, there's that sense of shame, like, man, like I can't even do this or that. And right. so I was encouraged people. I'm like, we need baby steps. We create those small wins. Those small wins start to add up over time. And at the end of the day, we're going for a lifestyle change. You know, we're we're not trying to go from zero to a hundred. We're trying to go from zero to five to ten to fifteen. Right. That way we make sure our engine doesn't fall apart beforehand and we have to go back to square one. This is awesome. So as we wind this podcast up, um, Sean, uh, tell us what you have a passion for. Uh my passion is uh, really to be able to recalibrate healthcare. Um, I'm very passionate about getting people um, at their top level, um, whether you're an Olympic athlete who's going for the gold or if you're someone who's simply like, hey, I just want to be able to run around with my kids 
um, you know, things of that nature. I, I love human performance and how can we truly optimize human performance from both the physical side as well as the mental uh, side of things. I love it. So tell people if they have any questions, how can they get a hold of you? All right. So for anyone who uh, wants to get a hold of me, um, I'm a, um, really active on Facebook. Um, my name is just Sean Casey, S-E-A-N. C-A-S-E-Y. My website, uh, if anyone wants to check me out, is uh, caseperformance.com. So that's C-A-S-E, performance, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E. But like I said, I I try to respond to everyone who reaches out to me on Facebook. I love interacting. I love learning from others um, and just collaborating and moving forward together. I love it. Well, you've definitely helped realize our goal, um, Sean, of educating and empowering individuals to take take charge of their own health. I, Absolutely. I really, I really love interviewing you, and we, I always learn something from you. So I appreciate it. And you know, this 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 subject was your idea. So um, you know, I, I I love when our guests think of of new ideas that we can educate people on. So if you have any other ideas, Sean, we'd love to have you on again. So absolutely, would love to be back. Awesome. So tomorrow, uh, listen, tune in 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We will have Jen Van D. Walter on our show, and she's going to be talking. She's a pharmacist, and she's going to be talking about the corruption in big pharma. You'll you'll want to tune into that one, Sean. Sean, although you already kind of know those issues, but um, it's going to be a good one. So don't miss out on that one. And as always, listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you, Sean. Hey, thank you so much for having me on.